Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rancho on AM 770 KTTH, streaming live on the KTTH smartphone app, which you should have on your phone. Two people from Tacoma went to help make sure people didn't see their belongings burn in the gray fire, but they forgot to give the items back. And that is what's trending. What's trending? You can't make this up. See, the Spokane County Sheriff's deputies were doing their emphasis patrol in the area. Obviously, a lot of people have had to flee from their homes. The danger of the fire engulfing their homes is real so far. There are a lot of people who are sitting back lucky that they haven't lost their homes, but they're on edge. Now, at the same time, there's the threat, of course, of looting. You've got homes that people know are empty, bad guys know are empty, and they might take advantage of that. And according to the Spokane County Sheriff's Office, they arrested two people from Tacoma who they say dressed up as firefighters and then began looting some of these abandoned homes. So I would argue And again, perhaps it sounds a little bit like a broken record. But I would argue that if you're a degenerate thief right now, you're feeling pretty confident that you won't suffer any consequences. And now that's not always the truth, right? There are people who get caught and prosecuted and put in jail. It does, I would say, take a lot to have all three of what I just said actually happen to you. Right. Lots of people are able to get away with crimes because we don't have enough police officers. And the rare cases in which they are, in fact, arrested, you sometimes get in front of a prosecutor who doesn't really seem all that interested in prosecuting. And when they do prosecute, you get a judge who's not very judgmental. Says, eh, restorative justice for you. Light sentence for you. And that's the thing. If you do end up getting sentenced, you're not spending that much time in jail because there is a concerted effort by Democrats in Washington state and in other places around the country to depopulate our prisons. The criminal justice system is racist, blah, 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 blah. Now, in this case, how bad of a person do you have to be to do something like this? Like, I want you to just think about that for a second. Think about that for just a moment. About how bad of a human being you have to be in order to even think about taking advantage of someone at a moment like this. It's the culture of lawlessness. We have emboldened these people. I'm not, to, I'm not suggesting that if the last few years of so-called criminal justice reforms didn't occur, that we wouldn't have something like this, right? Bad people exist. There are some degenerates who lack morals, who will always try to take advantage of vulnerable people. That's going to exist forever. But this sure has been happening a lot. Has it not? Have we not heard stories like this a lot? Not necessarily pretending to be a firefighter and going into the homes of people who are fleeing because of fires. But what was the story we did yesterday? We did a story yesterday that was very similar to this. 
the yeah the family that was fleeing the fire that stayed at a hotel had their truck broken <laughs> into. We were talking about this on the the newsroom floor today of all these examples of vulnerable people just getting exploited like this. It's terrible. It's weird that it's happening so often. One might think it is a result of something that has changed over the course of the last several years. Like oh I don't know I'm going out on a limb here and just pulling from my memory certain policies that have been implemented and laws that have been passed that said hey bad guys do ahead go ahead and do what you what it is you want to do don't worry we've got your back in fact we think you're the victims and we don't think the victims are the victims you are now as a criminal treated more as a victim than the literal victims that's where we now live and people are taking advantage of this now we are starting to get a better idea of how many homes in eastern Washington have been impacted, been destroyed, or severely impacted. Early on during the fires, the electricity ended up getting turned off for some obvious reasons. But according to the Spokane County Fire Chief, Cody Warbach, he says the power company turned it back on, at least in the Medical Lake area, and they got a better idea of how many homes were impacted. There was 259 at this point in time that they were unable to restore power to. So in case you couldn't hear that, 259 that they weren't able to restore power to. And that indicates either heavy damage to the home or a complete loss. Now he says most of what it is we're talking about are homes or cabins. Now another fire north of Spokane near Elk has destroyed more than 80 structures. And so every day that goes by, we're getting an update. That's just a tragic update. And then, of course, we have the impact of the fires that are felt here on the west side of the state. We're expecting to see some of the smoke come over tomorrow afternoon-ish. It's going to last into Friday. And we talked with Cliff Mass earlier in the week who said the same thing. According to the National Weather Service forecasters, it shouldn't be too bad Unless we have a lot of wind that maybe we're not expecting. We don't think that, but it is the weather. And I'm told climate change indicates we can't count on anything. Even when we have very clear technology that tells us exactly what's going to happen and it doesn't really deviate. But we're supposed to pretend that that doesn't exist. Friday, it might possibly rain, which obviously will help clear things up here. I don't know if it's supposed to rain on the east side of the state. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? Legal. Rudy Giuliani earlier today turned himself in. Trump tomorrow will be turning himself in out in Georgia. This coming from the latest series of very weak but obviously politically motivated indictments. And for Trump, he's doing it tomorrow because he's trying to starve the debate tonight at 6 p.m., which we'll be carrying live on KTTH, trying to starve it from getting attention, media coverage. Now, I don't think it's going to work quite the way that he thinks. And I know that tonight, for example, the Tucker Carlson interview with Donald Trump is going to drop on X at 6 p.m., which is very clearly uh, a jab at Fox News and the debate stage in general, right? I mean, Trump wants to get uh, coverage away from the debate. Tucker is obviously upset, rightly so, with Fox News. It's still Twitter, right? The video is going to be there after the debate. I'm going to watch the interview after 
the debate. At some point after the debate, that's when I'll be watching. I don't know if it's going to peel away as many eyes as they think it's going to. It's certainly going to suffer the same level of disinterest as it would on any other day because not everyone watches debates, nor do they find them all that important. I I disagree. I think they are important. I just I don't see it hurting as much. So for Rudy Giuliani today was all like, eh, I'll just do it today. I'll just get it over with. So before he turned himself in, when he was leaving for the airport from his home in New York, he spoke to the press and he made some really important comments. Well, I'm going uh, to Georgia and I'm feeling very, very good about it because I feel like I'm defending the rights of all Americans, as I did so many times as a United States attorney. People, People like to say I'm different. I'm the same Rudy Giuliani that took down the mafia, that made New York City the safest city in America. Reduce crime more than any mayor in the history of any city, anywhere. And I'm fighting for justice. I have been from the first moment. I represented Donald Trump. And it is a man who has now been proven innocent several times. I don't know how many times he has to be proven innocent. And they have to be proven to be liars. Actually, enemies of our republic. We're destroying rights, sacred rights. They're destroying my right to counsel, my right to be a lawyer. They're destroying his right to counsel. It's not accidental that they've indicted all his lawyers. Never heard of that before in America. Now, normally at this stage of a clip like that, after statements like that, where he says, I'm fighting for all Americans, I would mock him and call him a hero, right? That's generally what I would do. The reason why I'm not going to do that here is because I think he's right. I think he's right. I think the implications of this particular indictment and all of these indictments against Donald Trump are incredibly alarming. The implications on what this means for whether we're talking about the general criminal justice system or the Department of Justice. We have political opponents, active political opponents of their targets. When you have a prosecutor who runs a campaign on I will get Donald Trump or tries to raise money off of the prospect of I will get Donald Trump. When you have the president of the United States Department of Justice going after his main and really at this point only opponent, it sends a message. And it's frankly a terrifying message. Now, whether you dislike or you like Donald Trump, let me give you a warning. (laughs) They're going to come for you. When the political winds shift, as they always do, let us pray that Republicans are more honest, more trustworthy, and more American than these people in charge of this government. Because if our government is conducted this way, and the system of justice is politicized and criminalized for politics, your rights are in jeopardy and your children's. Why would he be wrong with that logic, providing that logic. What's wrong with that logic? If they're willing to go after Donald Trump, why would they not go after anybody else, including his supporters or anyone who is considered a, you know, a political opponent of the party in charge? Why, why wouldn't that happen? We already know how they feel 
about Trump supporters. They say it all the time. You're deplorables. We're all deplorables. We're all evil fascists. We're part of a cult. So what's to stop them from taking that next step and going after everybody else? It is a fair point to be made. And I don't think the left has an answer because I think that's their intent. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? What a dumb tweet. There's a New York Times reporter who covers City Hall for the New York Times. And she's covering this trip from New York Mayor Eric Adams. He's visiting Israel right now. And she sent out a tweet today explaining how upset she was that she had to follow Jewish religious traditions. It, it is this tweet is remarkable because she wants to portray herself as both a hero and a victim at the exact same time. So she posts this photo where she's peering over what she calls a fence. She calls a fence and she's got her phone out. She's trying to take a photo. And she's at the Western Wall, which is a very, obviously, a very holy place. And the tweet was, that feeling when you're at the Western Wall in Jerusalem as a female journalist, and you have to climb a bench and will look over a fence to see the mayor. Oh, she's such a poor thing. I mean, don't you feel bad for her? She had to peer over a fence. I feel really bad for her. Except it's not a fence. It's not a fence. It's a mahitza, which is a physical divider that's used between the men and the women, the sections in Orthodox synagogues for folks to pray. It is used during prayer. This is a religious tradition that she wants to pretend somehow she's a victim of sexism, I guess, because she's a female journalist. You see, in Judaism, there's a concept around love that. Love is so powerful, especially between spouses, that you cannot truly focus on God or your prayer when you're distracted by that love. When you're focused on anything other than God in your prayer, you're not truly committed in the moment. And so you separate the sexes. That's what's behind that. You see it at Many synagogues, not the reform synagogues, but most others. This is not new. This is not like, oh, suddenly we're deciding to do this. This has always been the case. But she feels put upon by a religious tradition. But she's too ignorant or, I guess, self-centered to know that, let's say this was with Kathy Hochul was there, governor of New York. Yeah, she would be on the other side with the women and the male reporters would be in the exact same position that she found herself in. That's how this works. That's how this works. Now, she clearly doesn't mind insulting Jews. She clearly doesn't mind denigrating a Jewish tradition, a religious tradition. Here's a question that I'd like people to answer on our text line, 1-800-465-8770. If she had to wear a headscarf, a head covering, in an Islamic country, let's just say the mayor for some reason went to Iran, where you have to wear, as a woman, a headscarf. Number one, would she wear it? Number two, would she send a selfie with it on say, I can't believe I have to do this in this backward country with this backward religion that hates women? Do you think she would even come close 
to any kind of criticism? Do you think she would even mention it? Would it ever come up in a tweet? Would she complain or would she take a more understanding approach to that religious requirement? Would she come out there and say, I'm a very inclusive person of different religions and I think that this is great. All religions matter, especially from marginalized communities. I I don't think she would do what she did to the Jewish faith. 1-800-465-8770. Tell me if you agree or disagree. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? The homelessness crisis. They've been debating for months in Burien what to do about their homeless population. You have encampments that have popped up around town. The city has been trying to deal with it. And now they're getting seemingly closer to a solution. Joining me on the line to discuss exactly what is going to happen or what she at least would like to see happen is Burien City Council Member Stephanie Mora. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Where do we stand at this point? Well, at this point, we had a um, camping ban um, presented to us, and um, unfortunately, it did not pass. It um, failed the vote. I was the only um, council member supporting it. Shockingly, I was the only one. Um, But at the end of the meeting, it was decided that it would be brought back to us with um, three kind of things that they, the council members wanted the city manager and staff to investigate. One of them, which was how much does it cost a city if they're sued um, when a camping ban goes in place, which seems like nonsense to me. Yeah. What, what exactly do you think is the reason for the delay on just either moving forward with this or just killing it and, and coming up with something else? You know, I think because it is an election season, a couple of the council members don't want to be perceived as being for it, and they also don't want to be perceived as being against it. My belief is because their campaign would essentially depend on that decision. Okay, so they're acting out politically. Do you think if politics weren't a part of this, which is obviously Hard to imagine because you are a city council, but imagine we were not in a campaign season, uh, an election year. How do you think the vote would go? Uh, I still think it wouldn't um, pass. Um, Unfortunately, there is one council member that said that she would not pass it unless it came as a package deal with a essentially a, a sanctioned encampment. And there is no way that I would do a sanctioned encampment. So um, if it wasn't an election year and we did have um, a a sanctioned encampment or a pallet village, then it could possibly um, pass. But that is also very not likely to happen anytime soon anyways. Are your colleagues serious about addressing this crisis or do they still want to keep people out on the streets? You know, it doesn't seem like they're actually serious um, in getting people off of the streets. It seems like they want to allow them um, to stay on the streets. They want to allow um, the enabling to continue. Um, I feel like they're just kicking down the can just further down the road, and they keep putting different excuses as, as why we shouldn't or couldn't pass it without actually thinking about it and saying, okay, we could pass it. Let's think about when we should or how we could, but they're, they're, they have no intention of doing that. So at one point, I remember there at least being the discussion of bringing on the more we love a private group yeah. that has been 
pretty effective, it seems, in addressing the homelessness crisis and bringing them on on a more official level. Is that still being yeah. considered? Um, yeah, we have spoken, at least the city has spoken with um, the More We Love group, and they did let it be known that we were interested in coming up with some sort of contract um, with them. I would love to see that happen. Um, I don't know that it actually would come to fruition, um, but if my idea kind of is if, if we had if we had no other choice and the sanctioned encampment was the only thing that we could do it, that we had to do, then why not have her um, oversee it? Because I at least know what she's doing is effective at getting people off of the street and getting them help they need. Well, why, why don't you think it would work? I mean, it, does this have anything to do with the King County Regional Homelessness Authority? And, mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yeah, because so they the, are the ones that would send the check. Yeah, and they, they don't want anyone to step in their territory because they enjoy exactly. the money coming to them, even though they seem to not be able to get any meaningful results. Uh, again, exactly. is this is this a position that's shared by the council, uh, a willingness to take a risk, as it were, uh, with a different group than KCRA? Um. I feel like half of them want to try this and half of them don't. Um, right now, I, I only know of three that are will for sure um, would want that and they would want to um, have her oversee anything that we do. Um, but convincing a fourth one is a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. We're kind of split. So unless something big happens yeah. that is just amazing, I don't know that it will actually happen. Well, then bottom line this for us. What needs to happen for your colleagues to get on board with what you would like to see happen? You know, I think right now um, I'm putting it out in the hands of the public and they are the ones that need to put more pressure on our council. And I feel like a couple of council members are almost arrogant about their position they hold and they almost see it as well because there's no one better running against me than it doesn't matter what I do or say, because everyone's still going to vote for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, you know, I'm done playing that game. I, at this point would take someone worse just to know where they stand from day one versus having someone that switches which way they land. Are you concerned about your own future in politics over all of this? You know, I really am not. I, I, never dreamt I would be a politician and I'm still shocked that I got here. So if I, I don't think that this would hurt or harm me because I, I don't have any intentions of running again. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even, you know, the, the day I filed the night before was the day that I decided I was going to file for campaign and here I am. So I, I don't think um, I'm the, the best person here. Um, and I don't, right now have any intentions on running again so i don't i it doesn't really matter how it affects me i guess well don't count yourself short i I think you're actually doing some important work and you're saying things that need to be said whereas uh i I can't say the same for your colleagues again we've been talking with burian city council member stephanie moore thank you so much for stopping by yeah thank you so much for having me absolutely you're listening to the jason ranch show when we come back it's time for the big local
Sammamish, Kent, Olympia, Everett. This is the Big Local on the Jason Ranch Show. Centralia, Lakewood. Stories about you, not about Seattle. Hey, look at that. 4.30 on a weekday afternoon. That means it's time for the Big Local. Brought to you by Alpine Specialty Services, online at alpinecleancom This is the part of the show where we completely ignore stories coming out of Seattle and instead focus all of our attention on the communities you live in and care about most. We start in Tukwila because their police department say a 21-year-old male from Kent was caught assaulting a female and a male at a bus stop right in front of the police station. Now, I'm not an expert. However, I will say it seems like a pretty odd place to assault someone. Like, if you're going to assault someone, which I don't want anyone to do, but if you're going to, I would suggest you not do it in front of a police station. Now, why might someone do that? Number one, they're high and they don't really realize where they are. Or number two, you're just some degenerate bad guy who feels emboldened by the culture of lawlessness. Now, which one of these? Does that apply in this case? I don't know. Now, they realized over at the Tukwila PD what was happening because they heard a loud bang. That caught their attention. They were like, what was that loud bang? And it turns out that the dude allegedly shot through the glass of the building. Now, according to the Tukwila PD, they say the suspect, quote, appeared to be going through the victim's pockets after assaulting them. That doesn't sound right. Why would... Oh, because he... uh, Sorry. Degenerate guy. Sorry. My bad. Officers chased the guy down. They were able to arrest him. Now he's facing charges of first-degree assault and first-degree robbery. Oh, and of course, he has a previous felony convictions history. (laughs) One for unlawful possession of a firearm. Another one for robbery. So, 21-year-old. Breaking the law, allegedly. Kind of seems like we've got a little bit of a trend here. Again, I'm just making an observation that it seems like we have a lot of juveniles who are committing crimes. Like a lot. Like a lot, a lot. And I get paid to read the news and watch the news and listen to the news, then ultimately analyze the news. And I don't really hear a plan from any Democrat in charge... Not even really an acknowledgement that we have a youth crime crisis. Many of the times it's tied to gang violence. Obviously, in this case, I don't know. It's a single individual. We'll wait and get some of those details. But I am kind of waiting for someone to step up and be all like, hey, I, I get it. I see what's happening. Yes, I'm very well aware that we've seen this rise in crime At the exact same time, we move forward with our criminal justice reforms. I'm starting to think that there might be a connection. Let me look at the data, get back to you with the plan. No, not even that. They kind of just pretend none of it is happening. And if it's not this kind of violence against just random people, you have it not just firing a gun through a window of a police station, but shooting at cops. We have two unfortunate stories, both out of Tacoma. First, a man was arrested for shooting at a cop. 
during a pursuit that happened early this morning. Thankfully, no one was injured. But it started out as a domestic disturbance call late last night, a little around uh, 11 p.m. Cops get the call. They just say domestic disturbance. Not entirely sure what that meant at the time. So they get there. Suspect was gone. They're talking to uh, presumably the purported victim. And they developed probable cause for first degree assault, which is a felony, residential burglary and felony harassment. That according to Como TV. Now, about four hours goes by, and finally, the cops were able to spot the suspect's car. They try to pull him over, but the guy was all like, no way, coppers, you'll never get me, coppers. And so he fled. He drove off. But because there was probable cause for a felony assault, which is violent felony, they had the ability, they were allowed per the law to pursue, and so that's exactly what they did. Then, according to the spokesperson, at some point, the suspect exchanged fire with our officer and continued going. Now, according to Como TV, photos from the scene show at least three bullet holes in the windshield of a Tacoma Police Department patrol vehicle. That's how close it was to hitting this officer. Dave is a guy who lives in the area. He spoke with Como. I heard some yelling and uh, quick shots, about three or four. And uh, this is only 100 yards from my house. Yep. But I'm willing to bet you're not shocked. So this pursuit ends around 3.15 in the morning. The driver was all like, never mind. I'm going to let you catch me, coppers. See, he had an attitude beforehand, but then he just decided I'm going to crash into this parked vehicle and then get caught. I mean, first I'm going to try to run away, allegedly, but then they catch me and then they arrest me. You know he's British? I who said he was British. Well, you keep saying that he's saying coppers. Coppers? I feel like that's like a, a Brit- like a Peaky Blinders thing to say. No, it's like early... You say that in Tacoma? Do they say that if in Tacoma? If it was like 1943, I think. Oh, okay. I think. I, I was could... just wondering what narrative you were going with here. That's fine. No, I'm that checks going, out. I'm that going checks with out. the narrative that I want to go with. How about oh, I, that? I know that. I was trying to How inquire. About that? Why don't you mind your own business with my with my narrative? Speaking of Tacoma and officers, unfortunately, an officer was, in fact, shot earlier today. We got word around 245. We were able to find some of the scanner audio, courtesy of Broadcastify. 90-second seal shots fired. Possible officer shot. We'll start fire priority 1426. Now, this occurred as part of an emphasis mission that, at least as of about an hour ago, it was still ongoing. An officer, a detective, we believe, with the Tacoma PD was the one who was shot. Officer shot. One trauma to the hospital, please, and advise. 10, 2, 3, 5, 14, 27. Start a dog and try and get an airship up, please. Received. Dog and air. 14, 27. Now, the reason why they say dog and air is because they did not catch the suspect. And I believe it's just one suspect, according to earlier reports. This is an ongoing active investigation, as we last found out. The good news is, thankfully, the officer who's in the hospital right now has been uh, called. A, they, they're saying he's in stable condition. Sounds like they're doing a scoop and go. Officer was shot in the shoulder. So shot in the shoulder. Thankfully, this officer will be OK. And again, we're going to continue to monitor this story as we get more information. But that's 
the best news you can get out of a pretty awful situation. Finally, more than 25,000 students in Kent were back in the classroom today. Did you know it was the first day of class for the Kent School District? Uh, Yeah, I was on top of it. I was too. I was super excited to send the kiddo to school. I don't know why parents, particularly moms, talk like that. Sending the kiddo down to school. And one of the kiddos is a seventh grader named Nolan, who spoke to Cairo 7 TV, said he's super excited to return to the class because he's a nerd. One of the craziest things to me is just going to all these different classes and learning very different things. I think that'll be a big big part of it. Huge nerd. (laughs) But a likable nerd. Yeah. That's kind of adorable. He's great. I wish Duncan was more like that. Duncan's a horrible kid who never wants to go into class. And when he is, he's giving a hard time to the teacher. Anyway, that's a good kid. He should be more like Nolan, Duncan. He sees. He just flipped me off. He just flipped me. Did you see that? I saw that. Don't do that. I'm telling your mother. Oh, she's the one who taught you? Okay. Here's a very excitable principal. David Radford from Kent Meridian High School. So we want our students to know that they're the lifeblood of our school. We like it when they're here and we want them to be engaged in student life. So we have over 60 clubs, sports and activities that we want our students to be a part of. You want them to be a part of all 60? Because that's a lot. Do you need 60 clubs? That would stretch them pretty pretty thin. What do you need 60 clubs for? Because you know half of those clubs are like four people. And oh, I'm putting on my resume. Right. They have to assume that's for college. Not for going to the, the job of your choice. Hey, what'd you do when you were in high school? You don't want to focus on college? No, please tell me what clubs you were in when you were in high school. What were you on the debate team and nothing else? I, I was in debate. I was on the academic decathlon team and I Ugh. won three gold medals, two for speech, one for debate. Right? No, one for interview. We didn't do debate. They did interview. It was weird. Academic decathlon. Did they make you run while you were debating? No, it's Long all jump. academic. Well, that's lame. But you go from one subject to another. At one point, they ask you a bunch of questions. I think it was... I don't remember the topic. I just remember everyone's at a table or their own table, all these different schools. And there's you know a bunch of the adults, judges... Who they'll ask the question, who in 1922 was the first blah, 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 blah. And then you write down the the answer quickly and then you have to show it. And I got, there were five questions per person on the team. I think there were maybe five people on a team. I can't remember. But I got three of the questions correct. I got two wrong, but I only got counted for two because some idiot said the answer out loud. And I knew the answer. It was actually a stupidly easy question. That's all I remember. But they disqualified everyone because someone in the audience had said the name of the the uh, the answer. I'm sure you were a good sport when you didn't win. I well, I won three gold medals. Well, but what about the other times? The I don't ca- care. I just I only recognize the fact that I won three. And while I don't remember all of the speeches I gave, there was one. So there's one a prepared speech. One was a um, a question they would just ask you, and you would have two to five minutes, something like that, to prepare. And the question they asked me was, what one law would I like to see reformed? And I had five minutes to to do whatever, any prep that I would need to. I said, oh, no, let's just go. And what I did was we should legalize prostitution. Goodness gracious. I didn't even believe it. That's not where I thought you were going with that. I didn't believe it at the time. That's a funny answer, though. Yes, that's why I did it. And it was almost like I'm daring you 
to give me a medal here because there's two dudes on the panel. And if you say to the third woman who's a judge that you liked my speech, everyone's going to look at you and say, we know what you're doing after this judging is done. Just why don't you just go home to your wife? That's what that was kind of that went through my head. And so uh, I did it and I won. And then the next year I went back and I I can't remember what the topic was, but I also won a gold medal then. The, The highlight of my life. I will never do better than winning three gold medals in the academic decathlon. What was the story here? Ah, something about school. <laughs> Today was the first day of school for Kent. You know what tomorrow is? Second day. Yeah, that was it. 1-800-465-8770 for your text messages. You pick the story we discuss next. Story number one. Text messages have Brett Favre in hot water again. Brett Favre. Or number two, gross people and soccer moms from Kirkland are excited for pumpkin spice lattes coming out tomorrow. Please pick that story. 1-800-465-8770 for your texts. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. You pick the topic on The Jason Rancho. Yeah, you know what? You guys are jerks. They're jerks. That one person was mean. The 253 text. I picked the Favre story specifically because you want the other one. Jerk. Everyone but one person wanted. You know what? I'll do what I want. How about that? I'm the host. I mean, I'll start with the Favre. I'll try to get through it mostly because I don't understand it. I didn't think anyone was going to pick it. (laughs) That's a big name. Nobody cares about the pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, but it would allow me to make fun of the people who enjoy it. And I thought that people would at least like me enough to give me that joy in my life. What do I like more than anything? Making fun of people, right? Yes. Okay. Among other things, yes. Well, yes, and demeaning them and whatnot, especially in public when it's you. Uh, But I'm saying, why would they not pick that? Well, I don't know. Brett Favre cares. I don't know. They think he's taking pictures that he probably shouldn't be. But I think this story's about something else. Yeah. So according to the New York Post... Brett Favre needs to stop his fingers from doing all the talking. Oh, my God. The Hall of Fame quarterback is accused of not producing text messages to the Mississippi Department of Human Services as required by its welfare fund investigation. Now, I do remember the start of this story, which was several months ago, almost a year ago. I mean, it's been a long time. He was accused of funneling millions of dollars in welfare funds to the projects that he personally preferred and might benefit from. And according to the story, his text messages allegedly show him conspiring on the scheme with other involved parties. So you should always have codes when you're, you know, doing illegal things on text. Not that I'm talking from experience but you know how when i say i want ice cream wink wink on the text yeah yeah and we all know what that actually means i yeah. mean you and i do well yeah, yeah but everyone the cops else don't if the cops look at it they just think oh he likes haagen yeah mint chip yeah well don't why do we shouldn't say that sorry 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 that was too Switch much it's a rocky road okay oh yeah that's a good one very ambiguous the lawyers with the uh mississippi department of human services says Despite being identified as a sender or recipient on the face of these text messages, Favre objected and claimed he could not verify many of these text messages' authenticity. His production contained no text messages, though MDHS specifically requested text messages with other defendants. Texts already obtained by investigators allegedly show that Favre 
was trying to build a $5 million volleyball center over at the University of Southern Mississippi back in 2017. And it just so happens that at the time, his daughter was playing the sport for the school. They say, if Favre getting into trouble because of text messages sounds familiar, well, it should. News broke in 2010 that former Jet sideline reporter Gene Sturger, Sturger, accused him of sending inappropriate texts and voicemails and photos back in 2008, which was his only season in New York. The NFL investigated the claims. They couldn't conclude that he was in violation of any NFL policy, at least. He said he admitted to the voicemails, but he didn't admit to the photos and ended up getting fined $50,000 for not cooperating with the investigation from the NFL. They say the irony of Favre's current texting problems isn't lost on Sturger, who tweeted last year, oh, now he gets in trouble for inappropriate texts. What were, do you remember what the texts were? I'm assuming they were sexual in nature. Yes. Were the photos sexual in nature? Believe so. Okay. I think, yeah, conclusions can be drawn. Okay. As to what the content matter was. I am curious, and I was curious at the time because I was a little bit surprised that this story didn't really go anywhere in the media outside of the first couple days where people pretended to be outraged by this. And it kind of felt like the only reason they were going over the top was not because of what he allegedly did, which, if true, is bad. But it felt like they were only as upset as they were because of who he was or who he is. That was the reason to me. That's how I read these stories of people going over the top. Oh, we better throw him in jail because at the time, you know, we were still kind of in the post criminal justice is white supremacy, blah, blah, blah phase of the conversation. And this is a rich white guy who's getting away with it. If it happened to so and so, that's how it felt to me. Yeah, I heard a lot of that, which is you do if you hold that position you're doing a disservice to the side you're on because it shouldn't matter who is the one who's responsible here i felt the same way with the full house actress who basically bribed the i think it was usc to getting her daughter in or paying someone to go ahead and do this and people were just outraged by it and i took an unpopular position of she did what she thought she had to do for her kid. I, I, it was wrong, I guess, because other people suffered. But I'm not going to pretend that I'm outraged that a parent would do something to help her kid. <laughs> was it unethical and illegal? Yes, it was. But the way people were responding, it seemed like it was more to do with the fact that she was an actress and that she's wealthy. People were like, I'm so sick and tired of the wealthy gaming the system. You would do exactly the same thing if you were in her position, I think. Not everyone, but a lot of people, I think, would. They might not want to admit it, but that's the truth. And so I sort of stepped back same way I did with the Brett Favre story, but also because I don't care about Brett Favre. Like, okay, let's see where it goes. And if he's guilty, he should be treated just like anybody else. I mean, unless he gives a lot of money to the best lawyer that he can find and he somehow gets off. And that's the way it works. Okay. I don't get outraged by things like this. Are you going to get outraged by lattes or are we going to save that till tomorrow? Pumpkin spice latte lovers, tomorrow's the day.
Here's CBS's Deborah Rodriguez. Put a little cinnamon in there. Put a little nutmeg in, too. Pumpkin spice lattes return to Starbucks for the 20th year. For fans, it marks the official run-up to fall. This year, the chain has new seasonal offerings, both for cold drink aficionados, pumpkin cream cold brew chai tea latte, and iced apple crisp oat milk shaken espresso. Reserve Starbucks stores will also serve a couple of new cocktails. Pumpkin spice whiskey barrel-aged iced latte... And a pumpkin spice espresso yeah, martini. Last fall, cold drinks accounted for more than three quarters of, of Starbucks of beverage sales. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Off of a spiked pumpkin spice latte while the kid is doing their best trying to score a goal and you're not even paying attention because you're like three in. Am I going to have to send an apology email to Deborah? Because all you did was talk over her. Who cares about she talked? She would talk over me. I, what drives me nuts about the whole culture around any of these stupid drinks or when people pretend that they like coffee. Do not tell me you like coffee and then you rush to get a pumpkin spice latte. That is not coffee. It is not coffee. You know how I can tell it's not coffee? Because it has 390 calories. That means it's not coffee. Okay? 14 grams of fat means it's not coffee. 52 carbs, 50 of which are sugar, not coffee. That is a dessert. Is it coffee inspired? Barely. It's pumpkin inspired. They don't even taste that good. Like they I like don't. pumpkin stuff, and I, I I'm not love here for it. Pumpkin pie, terrific, delicious. This is gross. It's gross. It's like a weirdly sweet. I'll take. I'll, I'll go. I'm on board with the gingerbread latte. Oh, you know, that's a fake drink again. But at least I come from a place where I am a coffee snob. Well, I'm a snob. So Jason Ranch. Show.